what is going on everybody hopefully you guys are all doing well out there got uh, probably not a super long show today but i did want to get on here because um i am sensitive to our east coast friends and our east coast listeners that likely uh, at least uh, the weather reports that i'm seeing are likely under several feet of snow so i wanted to uh you know try to brighten up your day maybe a little bit i don't know if i personally i can do that but, you know for most of you maybe like a playboy model and uh, a bottle of scotch might brighten your day a little bit more than uh the sports card show podcast but uh no, you got to do what you got to do today. So um, out here in California, I will say that it's cloudy, but I do see the sun peeking through the clouds there. So if that rubs it in uh, just a little bit more, uh, that's what we do out here in California. Anyways, on today's show, I've got just a handful of topics that I've kind of picked off, uh, whether people sent them uh, to me via Twitter or I looked saw them on a forum or I just kind of saw people talking about it, uh, decided to bring it on today's program. We have a Major League Baseball player possibly shill bidding on eBay, and I'll discuss uh, how serious of a – I'm going to say crime. Offense is probably a better word. Uh, how serious of an offense is shill bidding? Who is at fault? Who is supposed to regulate that? I'll talk about that. Talking about a California lawmaker, who I'll probably sum up my my thoughts on the on the matter by saying a California lawmaker is piggybacking off the popularity of Star Wars and is trying to introduce a law that will make it, you know, maybe give you one more hurdle to leap if you want to try to sell autographs, I, I'm guessing, within California borders. Uh, you know, I don't have a much of an opinion about that, but I'll, I'll give you kind of like a, um, I don't know how, how I can phrase this, maybe not necessarily higher level. I mean, we're talking about baseball cards here and autographs, so not necessarily higher level, but I'll give you kind of a different perspective is probably the best way to put it on uh, laws that, like that and and ones that could come down the road. So we'll talk about that. And lastly, we'll talk about Upper Deck's 50, I think it's $15,000 or something. I don't know how much they're trying to actually retail the product for. I don't exactly know how much it's selling for, but it's a 10K plus product. And so we'll talk about like the featured item. I saw a lot of people talking about. Um, We'll talk about that and uh, some other stuff. So that's about it for our intro. Um yeah, thanks for tuning in. First of all, thanks for tuning in. I don't know if I, I do this enough, but I want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, I don't do this for the advertising money. Not that there really would be any or any to really, uh, you know, make it rain in the in the club with. Don't do it for that. I do it mainly because I've been doing it for, I think this is now our eighth year, seventh, eighth, ninth year, something like that. And... Uh, I enjoy it. I've met many people through this podcast, uh, you know, in person. So not just uh, through Twitter or Facebook or through email. I've actually met people in person. So that has been uh, definitely a benefit. So appreciate you guys tuning in. I uh, certainly have uh, probably a decent number of you that have been listening for a while. If you just started listening or you're just listening in the last maybe 
six months or so just picking it up. I appreciate that. Certainly could always uh, use some new opinions, some new uh, perspective. You can always send me an email at sportscardshow at gmail.com. You can always get at me at Twitter at sportscardradio. My might come across like I'm I'm rude or that um, I I like to challenge people I guess on Twitter. Uh, if you contact me via email, uh, you, if I get back to you, I'm not guaranteeing a response anymore. But if I do get back to you, then um, certainly I won't bite your head off or anything like that. Uh, but on Twitter, that's kind of my style. Um, and you can find us on Facebook and all that. So. But anyways, moving on into our topics. First one is uh, someone sent this to me via Twitter. There was like a forum thread going on on I think on Blowout where um, I don't know. I don't didn't I didn't I was eating lunch at the time when I was reading through the thread, so I didn't really connect the dots. Maybe uh, as as well as maybe others have, but it definitely appeared that baseball pitcher Brad Ziegler. Uh, I think he pitches for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I believe my brother um, is a regular correspondence with him. Um, I am not. I've never, I don't think I've ever engaged with him or anything like that. But um, I don't really, you know, the, first of all, the seller, it was through a consignment seller named Probstein. Uh, and I think some numbers. I think a lot of people are familiar with his eBay auctions. And in fact, eBay will send me emails and will feature his auctions on their homepage. So clearly, eBay sees uh, some kind of, you know, eBay makes a lot of money off of them, probably. So, um, and probably directs customers to consign with him. So. Is eBay kind of looking the other way? Uh, this is not the first time. This is the first time maybe I've heard of uh, Brad Ziegler shill bidding on eBay, but certainly not the first time somebody's been accused of shill bidding on Probstein's, uh, I think that's how you say it, I don't know, uh, auctions. So, it, you know, I, I think we have a case of a seller on eBay who's likely given some preferential treatment. Because he runs through a tremendous amount of volume, likely. I could go look and see what his volume is, but it's it's pretty it's not the largest on eBay, I don't believe. Um, but likely he's he's been consistently doing it for a long time. And maybe has built up some good relationships with eBay and other customers and, and people along the way. So uh, do people shill bid on his auctions? Yeah, probably. Probably, probably, it's probably the people that you know send the cards in, and then they have a different account, and they just bid on it. And uh, likely for eBay, they probably get so many complaints. I guarantee you, there's people complaining to eBay every other day, probably every day, about shield bidding going on Probstein's auctions. But they probably just have an auto, that probably just all goes on an auto delete file now. So somebody like Brad Ziegler probably knows this, seems to know the hobby pretty well. And probably, uh, you know, just did what everybody else does. Does it make it right? No. If your friend's, you know, s snorting cocaine, does it does it then make it right for you to do that? No, probably not. But can we ever? Can we all just, you know, shill bidding in, in the in in my eyes in the you know level of offense is probably like. 
you know, getting arrested with, with a little marijuana in your pocket, getting arrested with cocaine in your pocket. Yeah, it's not a good look. Yeah, it's, it's definitely not a good look if you're a professional athlete. But, um, you know, it's it's not like it's it's it doesn't ref for some reason and maybe i'm wrong about this you can always send me an email or send me a tweet uh disagreeing with me or or providing your side of the argument but for some reason show bidding while i'm not sitting here trying to encourage it i'm not sitting here trying to say that it's right but for me to really uh you know really get upset about it i guess i'd have to see uh, a tremendous long track record of it and maybe a, a real, you know, in, in a ways, a lot of times people are show bidding on stuff to kind of set a reserve, I guess. Um, and if, it, if it's that kind of chill, show bidding, I understand that. If you're intentionally seeing that, hey, there's a, a, a last guy kind of in it looking to looking to score this card and you're kind of intentionally running them up for, for the, your last 100 bucks, 200 bucks, that certainly rubs me more the wrong way. But then again, that other person can stop bidding at any time. If you're if if you're getting shill bidded, if you feel like you're getting shill bidded, cancel your bids and don't buy it. The the card, I don't care if it's a one of one card or whatever, it'll come back around some other time, some other chance in your life and likely for not as much money, or maybe you'll be able to afford it better then. Maybe the card will go up, but maybe $5,000 in 10 years is not going to be as much money as it is today for you. So either way, you end up winning. So show bidding, long story short, I'm not too bent up about it, but it did make it kind of uh, kind of uh, more humorous that we have a major league baseball player uh, likely bidding. Up. He he is not. So it just goes to show you that uh, you know professional athletes are just like you and I. We want to get the most for our cards, and we will be wi- we're willing to shill bid on eBay, even if we you know are a professional athlete and likely have um, you know. A decent amount of money. I'm not, I'm, you know, I look at an athlete's contract and I divide it in half and then I probably divide it in half again. And then that's probably what he takes home because I know what it's like when you have a lot of money coming through, it, it, it can go quick. Especially you have wives, ladies, if you're, if you're not married and you're single, that money can, that money can go. So Moving on, we'll go right on to our next topic, which is, I'm going to bring up my phone here. I just said it about five minutes ago, but I can't remember it. So it just shows you, I am getting old. It is our, our seventh, eighth year here on the on the Sports Card Show podcast. Okay, so now I remember, California lawmaker. Uh, there's a guy on Star Wars. I'm not a, I mean, I don't want to say I'm not a fan of Star Wars, but it's not something that I maybe appreciate Certainly as much as as a lot of other people. I don't go see the movies. Can't tell you who the actor is. I guess you could tweet this Star Wars actor, like a picture of his autograph, and he would tell you if it's it's fake or or not. I guess he, he got so many requests, he just started liking the ones that he thought were authentic. So, so I thought that was cool. 
And he also, uh, another interesting tidbit was he wanted to try to sign so much at one point to try to make his autograph worth so little that people wouldn't forge it. So, um, you know, I mean, that's, that just shows to me, this guy must be making a lot of money in royalties because if you're not worried about your autograph depreciating, you're not worried about future income. But, um, as probably anybody tied to the star Wars franchise probably isn't worried about future income, but anyways, um, so I thought it was interesting. There is a, a lawmaker. I'm pretty sure this lawmaker, all they're doing is piggybacking on a hot story, which they often do. That, like you're seeing in Daily Fantasy now. Every lawmaker even wants to, you know, come out negative or for it. You know, a lot of them are coming out for it, but they likely won't do anything. They'll come out for it, get all your support, get some of your donation, say, hey, I'm working on it, I'm working on it, dude, we're going to make DFS legal, don't worry about it. Uh, it. They'll string it along for as long as possible, trust me. They'll tell you, oh yeah, don't worry, we'll, we'll pass legislation here in the spring, don't worry. No, that, that's, that's not going to be, that's not, what, not, not what's going to happen. I'm going to try to string it out for as long as possible. So, we'll see what happens here, but... I noticed, uh, I, you know, I don't, I just scanned through an article and it seemed to me that they wanted you to, there was like an extra fee or an extra certificate that you had to pay and all this other stuff. Um, not a big step that you had to go through to sell autographs um, or be authorized to sell autographs, but it seemed to me this is a form of bureaucracy that often happens when there are scammers and people taking advantage of things. And it made me think, this is why you want to drive these. If you're successful in the sports card business, or you think that's going to be where you derive the most, the majority of your revenue for the next, call it 10 years or more, you want to drive the bad people out. Don't let them fester. Drive them out because what ends up happening is some lawmaker will pass a law and will make it more expensive for you to do business. But then the shady guy, he's still going to sell his autographs without having to go through any kind of extra step. But you, in order to maintain your business, is going to have to go through an extra step, which is going to cost you money and it's going to cost you business and profit down the road. That's why you need to deal with these guys. If you're a group breaker... You need to call you need to call the three or four of you up that are doing well. You need to call up your district. You need to all call each other. Get on a conference call and say, hey guys, we've got ABC and group break this and group breaks that and best this and best that trying to break. Let's drive these idiots away. The way you do that is you all call together and and then call your distributor. Add your you know, you can do it on the iPhone now. You can like add somebody to the call. Add your distributor call and say, hey, distributor, we've got breaker one, breaker two, breaker three. We've got six breakers here. What's the value of our account versus all the other little guys you deal with? So maybe the six top breakers are 90%, 91%. It might be even 95% of a distributor's business. And then 5% goes to these little tiny guys. I'd figure out a way to say, hey, how can we get it? So you can only sell to us six breakers. 
And the barrier to come into this business is a $10,000 minimum order or a $15,000 minimum order. So some little guy in his basement can't just start setting up his own little group breaker spot. Because ultimately what's going to end up happening is one of these, these little guys are going to keep screwing it up for you. And at some point there's going to be some kind of tax levied on you, not by some Congress person, but it'll be in the form of customers not trusting you, customers maybe not coming in the door fast enough because they've been burned by other people. Whereas if the industry just thrived around four or five people doing it the right way, and there was it was almost impossible for some little guy to come in and scam, then you'd all make more money. The little five, six, seven, ten percent extra you have to shoot your distributor would be nothing. So you don't see that kind of I don't see that kind of thought process. And anybody out there trying to make money in this business needs to try to drive out the shady guy. The shady guy looking for the quick buck. Problem is, everybody's looking for the quick buck in this business. Almost everybody is looking for a quick buck, looking for something. And maybe I'm looking for something. Maybe I haven't figured it out yet. Maybe I'm on this podcast. I haven't exactly figured out what I'm looking for. But for right now, I'm just looking to pass down information, give you some food for thought. So think about that. Fake autographs are out there. They're going to basically levy. They're going to maybe pass some kind of legislation. And maybe it gets enacted all over the place. Maybe it, it, it. everybody sees the attention the lawmaker got in California. And some guy in Kentucky says, hmm, that's a good idea. Re-elections or election years coming up. My name next to Star Wars? Ooh, that equals clicks and, and, and votes and stuff. So, and free press and interviews and whatnot. So, uh, and people talking about you on podcast. So you can see how something like that can manifest. Not necessarily in some kind of legislation or some kind of, you know, iron hammer, you know, gavel kind of ruling. But it certainly can kind of manifest itself just, uh, you know, indirectly. I mean, it already does in the autograph business. The guys that are doing it right, you know, suffer in a lot of ways. Because the price of autographs just are are less because there's guys just signing in the back of the room and selling it. So they'll sell a Michael Jordan autograph for 150 bucks. Whereas the guy trying to sell real, you know, Mike Tyson autographs or real Michael Jordan autographs, he he's having a tough time. Moving on, speaking of my boy Michael Jordan. He has a motocross, apparently, or he did. I don't know if he still does. But he has like a motor, you know, a racing uh, motorsports division of, I don't know if it's a company or, or what. I'm sure somebody else gave Jordan money to start a motor sport division. I don't think Michael Jordan put up his own money. But Upper Deck has been, um, you know, quite, uh, hoarding, I, you know, probably just given more than likely they didn't have to pay that much for motorcycles. People have been calling them motorcycles, even though they're sport bikes or, uh, you know, street bike crotch rocket, um, something like that. A lot of people have been calling it a motorcycle where I'm from. A motorcycle is a Harley. If you call a sport bike, street bike, racing bike, 
a motorcycle, you are a fool. So I've been seeing a lot of hobby people, likely, uh, you, you know, likely not from the mean streets of Stockton, California. So they don't know that you don't call a, a street bike a motorcycle, but nevertheless, Upper Deck has been tr- has been acquiring these for for over ten years now. Seems like this bike that they're giving away in a fifteen thousand dollar product is dated from two thousand eight. It is signed by Michael Jordan, but uh, likely not ridden by that. That's what spurred my interest. I saw a fifteen thousand dollar product wasn't gonna uh, you know. Wasn't going to be something normally that I talk about on the podcast because it's really just a cash grab for Upper Deck. It really is more of a $15,000 set. And it's certainly a, a, a strategy Upper Deck has done in the past with Master Collections with, with Michael Jordan. I think they had a Lakers set. They've had other Master Collections in the past. So it's not something revolutionary or new or, or that surprising. It's really the price point that they've really put it at. And it, it comes well after Upper Deck really has any assets to really put behind this. And the fact that this Michael Jordan, quote, motorcycle, when I saw motors, when I saw, when someone said, oh, I hope I get the Michael Jordan motorcycle, I was like, well, okay, so this must be some Harley Davidson back when Jordan was in his prime, rode a motor, because I don't picture, I don't know about you, I don't picture Michael Jordan on a motorcycle in probably the last 20 years, I would guess, maybe 10 years, 15 years. Just don't see a 40-year-old plus guy jumping on motorcycles, especially of Michael Jordan's. Um, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I have Michael Jordan all wrong, but I don't see. Plus, a guy 6'6 on a sports bike, probably not a good idea. So, I was envisioning this this Harley that was around in the Bulls days, and it you know it probably has a lot of value just as a bike itself, let alone Michael Jordan owned it. But no, it's some motorsports division of Jordan, some Jordan company or some you know one of his flukies little attempt to make money, and Jordan just put his name on it. You can't ride the bike. I don't know if that has the motor taken out or they lock it up or what. I I don't know. Seems to me the bike would have more value just to be able to ride it around. But the fact that that's the centerpiece of the Upper Deck $15,000 product. Upper Deck tried to auction the very same bike along with four others in 2012. They tried to auction it off in in, in January of 2012 at a Las Vegas uh, motorcycle auction that had lots of, you know, newer and rare bikes and, and kind of in between. From the data, well, obviously, Upper Deck, I don't know if they sold any of them. They certainly didn't uh, sell this blue one that was signed by Michael Jordan That the, that's, a, you know, one of the redemption cards in this $15,000 product. But, um, you know, Upper Deck tried to sell these bikes, that was three years ago. They probably sat around a little bit longer because, it, it, you know, the motorcycle guys balked at it. They took it to a motorcycle auction and motorcycle guys balked at these things, probably because you can't ride them. So it's either, you know, and Michael Jordan collectors, you know, a bike like this is, is very loosely connected to Michael Jordan. 
he certainly didn't write it while he signed it. Um, you know, I can imagine a Michael Jordan collector of any kind of wealth is probably, you know, think about your wife. If you're rich enough to be able to, to have a Michael Jordan item like that in your house, I don't know what, you know, your man cave would have to be the, the size of a house to be able to bring a sport bike in, not ridden by Michael Jordan. So it's a very loose connection to Michael Jordan. It's very loose. Uh, it's a, it's a, I can see why upper decks had trouble getting, probably getting rid of this um, because it's like in between uh, it's probably should just be parted out. That's probably where all the value is. Yeah, you might be able to sell it on eBay or sell it on the secondary market, but I but what more than likely you could part the bike out, um, and that's likely how you're gonna make make the most money. Uh, I would guess after you bought it, if you got it obviously out of the fifteen thousand dollar box, you're gonna lose money on it. I don't see any way a bike like that's worth fifteen G's. Maybe even even if it's running, it might not be worth fifteen thousand. Let alone if Michael Jordan, you know, was had his poop on the seat still. So, uh, to me, this shows, hey, Upper Deck, yeah, people have said, oh, they've had this $15,000 set in the works. Guys, yeah, come on. It's not hard to announce a product and put up a couple, you know, to uh, to announce a product, to say we've been working on a product uh, for two years is a stretch. It, it really took you two years to put it out. If you if you actually, you know, narrow down the actual time it took for somebody to actually do all the work, you're probably looking at about a week's time, a week's worth of labor. Someone actually clocking in and clocking out, actually doing work on that set. It just happened to take them to do a week's worth in two years. That's why these companies are lame. That's why new sports cards are lame. That's why no one's buying them. Add on top of that, that the fact that they're $15,000 for a box now, and the main prize is a, quote, motorcycle that was never ridden by Michael Jordan. And that upper deck has been trying to get rid of for over three or four years now, they've been trying to get rid of these motorcycles, likely because they take up a lot of space. I don't care where you are. Can't just store that out on the side of the road. It has to go somewhere. And square feet in California is going to run you probably a dollar plus a square foot unless you're out in some, you know, upper decks probably got, you know, they do have offices likely in more industrial areas. So you might be 68, 70 cents a square foot. But think about it. If you have five bikes taking up whatever, 30 feet of a room, times that over 12 months and times that 12 months by another five, six, seven, eight years that they've had these bikes, that's a lot of money. Has a garage sale feel to it. You know, so there's no Michael Jordan Bulls jerseys. There's no UNC autograph jerseys. There's no, um, you know, LeBron James memorabilia. Obviously, Upper Deck has its hands cuffed 
Because it can't have stuff with the heat on it. can't have stuff with the bulls on it. Pretty soon won't have stuff with colleges on it. So they're going to turn into a company that just makes hockey cards. And we saw what happened to the last company I think that existed like that was ITG. What does ITG do? Well, they had to merge with Leaf. Basically, they went. They, they didn't have any money left. And they kind of had to go, team up with a guy. So... Something like that is is coming. Upper Deck's either going to merge with somebody. Upper Deck's going to um, maybe if, it, you know, the, the problem is, I'll tell you what the problem, the one of the main problems is the leadership at tops is, is kind of separated. And what I be, mean by that is you have, yeah, you have some leadership at tops, but the guys that would make the decision to buy another company have all this other stuff to do. They they have no interest in, in deciding that for tops. There's that's not even in the budget or in the plans. Same with, kind of with Panini. You have these guys in America that are kind of doing their thing, but the whole organization of Panini is Panini Group that's run in another country. So to say, hey, we have this uh competitor that would be an ideal takeout candidate, that that's not something that's uh that's as easily done when you have leadership that is more seamless. Or if you had more startup companies, maybe you had like Brian Gray with the budget. Maybe, maybe Upper Deck gets, this is what I could see happening. Upper Deck just kind of meanders and meanders and meanders and gets down to a low enough valuation that a, a, a more startup guy I don't think you call Leaf kind of like, or Brian Gray kind of a startup guy, but kind of um, at that level. I could certainly see that happening. I could certainly see Upper Deck's assets just kind of continuing to dwindle down to the point to where um, somebody else with a better sense of opportunity and a, a, a more nimble kind of management st- structure could come in there and take advantage of some of the things that Upper Deck does have, which isn't much now, as we're seeing. They're giving a, you know the main prize in a, a box full of autographs and, and stuff we've already seen before and is being diluted, quite frankly, of Tiger Woods and, and Jordan and LeBron. I mean, their autographs are worth, you know, yeah, they're, they're, they're pre- upper deck sucking stuff it sells for a fortune and that should really show you the disconnect there's people paying tens of thousands of dollars for michael jordan stuff from when upper deck had an ex- uh, had had a basketball license and could make basketball cards but they pay less than $300 for his for his cards that'll come out of this set so certainly not something that I would be uh, overly excited about. Certainly a sign of things to come. I don't think Upper Deck can survive on its own is just just making hockey cards and just occasionally you know releasing a set here and there with some Michael Jordan stuff in it and some LeBron James stuff. Maybe they can hang on, but I really think it, it's... The the days are certainly getting numbered over at Upper Deck for for a number of different reasons, but but quite frankly, the fact that you put up a Michael Jordan quote motorcycle 
<laughs> as kind of the main draw to a $15,000 product shows you there can't possibly be anything cool left in the inventory of Upper Deck, at least that they can use. Maybe there's cool stuff there, but they can't use it. So, you know, something's going to happen there. Something Either that inventory has already gone. That could be the case. That is probably more than likely the case. All the cool jersey swatches. All, I mean, maybe there's a little stuff here and there, but not, nothing certainly of any significant value. Because I think if there was stuff of very significant value there, they'd put it in our, they'd figure out a way to put it in a $15,000 product. But all they got left are these motorbikes that have been sitting around for 10 years. So certainly, again, has kind of a liquidation feel, has a garage sale feel to it. And certainly we've seen that in the past with uh, lots of companies. Certainly companies, it has a, a super break or a Heroes of Sport has a, uh, what was that, Prospect Rush kind of feel to it. That this might be uh, one of the last times, certainly the last one of the last times you see a product of this a caliber trying to be sold for that that price point. It's pretty ridiculous. As is most of the stuff that I see in the hobbies these days. Certainly not worth, um, certainly not worth your time as a as a a, a collector. I encourage you all to be more connoisseurs of card collecting instead of going down the route of I'm just going to buy I'm just going to be as hobby zombie and collect whatever comes out and collect whatever set comes out. Start being far more selective. If anything, if you do want to be a hobby zombie, and collect everything that's coming out. I would try to be, you know, try to make it. You know how like I don't have cable, but like on net on like Netflix or like Hulu, you might go like I was on vacation for like two weeks, and so I didn't watch any TV. So I come back home, and there's all this, you know, I, I you know Shark Tanks and and all these other shows that I watch. They're all built up. So I think you kind of want to do that. In, in the hobby, certainly trying to stay up on the, the release that just came out is something very few people are doing these days. If anything, you want to be a year or two behind. If anything, look at Robert Griffin and Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck had a crappy year this last year. Um, you definitely want to be a year or two behind, I think, especially in football. Definitely don't want to be collecting the, the very first year. And even in basketball, Andrew Wiggins and, and other guys that were, you know, hot last year. Nobody cares about him anymore. People are doubting that, you know, all Andrew Wiggins does is score. Well, maybe that's right. Maybe that's true. We'll see. But you probably always want to be a year behind. Baseball might be a, a its own little animal, depending on what set and what you're really looking for. I think baseball is probably has the healthiest. Um, I'm trying to think of the word that I'm looking for. It probably has the baseball has the healthiest ecosystem. I think baseball card collecting 
especially current baseball card collecting. I wouldn't call it a healthy ecosystem, healthy ecosystem, but compared to football, especially once Panini has its exclusive license locked in this coming season, and certainly basketball, and hockey's probably in its own little ecosystem as well. But uh, the three major sports, baseball, certainly the healthiest, and we'll see if that's something that impacts the hobby even more going forward. Um, you know, we, we do have uh, an exclusive license coming in football. Expect Tops to be doing their little, they'll have a little dump party. If, you know, already, I'm sure they've already wi- been winding things down. But it, it could be with Tops. You know, I know we have like late se- season football here. I would definitely take the wait and see approach with Tops. It could be that products are very good. Tops does a really nice job of kind of closing things out. It could be that they're winding things up. Some of you guys that are following this stuff very closely could already see evidence of this one way or another. But I'm just telling you as a casual collector or maybe a semi-casual collector, just um, I'd much rather, for me, I'd much rather watch a product product come out say it's an an $80 box of cards that you could buy you could pre-order right now for 80 and let's just say mi- miracles happen and when it comes out it's now a $100 box or a $95 box or $105 the difference there is you know between 10 to $20 i'd much rather lose the opportunity to save a little money than to jump in on that $80 and watch as the majority of the time that $80 box will slowly get discounted over the course of the year or you'll just have a chance to buy that $80 box anytime you want. It won't sell out. It won't go anywhere. If the if by chance it does heat up, it's not going to it's not going to heat up so much that it goes out of your price range within a week or two. I, I, I'm almost only recall that maybe happening a, a very small amount of times in the last decade where a product has come out, maybe tops 2000, maybe seven tops that had that Jeter mantle Bush card that I think doubled or tripled or quadrupled in price almost immediately. I mean, then obviously went back down. But um, that situation almost never happens. So don't worry. And if it does, it likely means that even at 90 and and $100, you're still getting above average value. Whereas an $80 box that really should be 60 is going to be delivering well below average value. And you should just hold on. So my point is new cards aren't worth collecting. I've been saying that on this show for years now. For years, probably one of the only people in this hobby that actually tell you guys, don't waste your money on new product. Don't buy it. Because Upper Deck will put some motorbike in it that that Michael Jordan, he's not going to ride a bike like that. Please. And it's such a loose collectible to Michael Jordan. You could almost call it my motorbike. You know, Michael Jordan and I are connected to it almost as much as as he is. So
if you're that you know i think we really need new people in this hobby and i think the first step is to stop lying not only to ourselves but especially to other people there's other podcasts there's certainly other websites there's twitter feeds there's group breakers there's blowout cards and people on forums that are just going to pump it down your throat oh just buy it oh it might, it's worth it oh you know might not get you might not get your money's worth well you're definitely not going to get your money's worth there's better ways to spend your money it's not all about wasting money. We're not all, all in this to, to buy a $100 box to get $89 worth of value out of it. But there, there is a line between being stupid and being smart. And being dumb is consistently buying this stuff over and over. Whether it's through a box break or buying it yourself or buying it on a case just doesn't make any sense be patient as we've seen athletes careers go up and down and up and down and up and down the only athlete probably the only athlete that i've ever seen continue kind of on a steady trajectory almost every year even after retirement is michael jordan and trust me there's a lot of you younger listeners that probably either only saw the tail end of his career and certainly never saw the prime of his career. My, LeBron James is not anywhere close to Michael Jordan. He wouldn't have lost in, in as many finals as he has if he was. The only person I've ever seen that could be in the same building as Michael Jordan is obviously, coming from a Lakers fan, Kobe Bryant. And for a season or two, Shaquille O'Neal. There's a, the reason why I say Shaquille O'Neal is because they changed many rules in the NBA: hack a shack rules, illegal defense. Uh, there's lots of other little rules in the NBA that exist. There's like an armbar rule. Lots of li- little rules got changed, all because of Shaq. I don't know how many rules Michael Jordan changed in the game. Might have changed some. Hand checking, I think, was one. And hand checking actually made it easier for Michael Jordan uh, to be an even better player. But Michael Jordan's a great player. I don't see anybody else that's even close to him. And I, and I think just the, the competitive nature of sports these days uh, and with steroids and things like that, you're not going to see it. You're just not going to see an athlete like that. Not going to see an athlete that goes up and goes up and up and up. They're going to be like Ken Griffey Jr. They're going to be like Kobe Bryant. They're going to be like Tiger Woods. They're going to be like Brett Favre. Adrian Peterson. Chris Johnson, Ray Allen. Well, there's a little, you know, Allen Iverson. Those are the careers you're going to see more often, which usually means you can just wait. Wait till the guy retires. Wait till nobody cares about him anymore. Even Jordan autographs are cheaper. Can't, I mean, it, it would have probably helped collecting some of their stuff in their prime or right after they retired, you could have bought up all their stuff. But just think about your collection. Don't just be a hobby zombie and just buy whatever's out there. 
And it doesn't look like a lot of people are buying this upper deck stuff. It looks like it's it's. Uh, I saw group breaks where they couldn't even sell two hundred dollars spots for it. That, that that was far from being filled. So there's not even demand for this. That just shows you if this stuff was hot, people would be dumping a two hundred dollars shot at it. People aren't even willing to pay get a two hundred dollars piece of this, let alone fifteen thousand or ten thousand. So. It'll all, you know, it'll all get consumed and bought up at some point, but uh, certainly not the look that the hobby needs, certainly not the direction that the hobby really should be headed in, but um, we'll see what happens. Still early in 2016, I still think we have some, you know, changes that will likely develop as the year goes on. As Panini rolls into a football exclusive license as Upper Deck kind of winds down their ability to make any college uh, cards as Tops continues to transition into a company that is likely trying to get con- continuing trying to get more diversified um, into, you know, software, mobile apps and things like that. And we'll see how successful they are. But until then, that's about it on today's show. Thanks for tuning in. You know, 45 minute show. That's that's usually short for us. Um, we'll be back some other time. You can always send me an email, sportscardshow at gmail.com. Probably Twitter at sportscardradio. Probably the most effective way to get a hold of me. And maybe suggest things on the show, any topics, anything you see around the hobby. I appreciate you sending it to me because then I have a list of things to talk about on the show. But until next time, don't spend all your $15,000 on one box. But until then, thanks for tuning in. We are out of here.